Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Can you all hear me okay on Zoom? Yeah? Okay, thank you. <laughs> well, welcome all. So it's about 10 o'clock. We can start. Let's come to our comfortable sitting position. And we can tune into our breath, our place of refuge. Feel free to include the breath, to associate the breath with sensation of the breath or with image that you feel comfortable with, like image of the beach, image of a, the mountain, of the place you hike in, the flowers, or anything that you like, but feel the sensation where in the body, that image, that place of refuge. That's you sensation you will remember. So come into the breath, the image, and then feel the sensation of the breath and the image when you rest in that. image can also be the divine somebody that you believe in you want to surrender in or you can rest in the breath and sensation of the breath it can be around the sensation around the nostril the chest the belly so continue to rest in the sensation of your refuge So if thoughts come, just focus on your refuge, on your image or your breath and then sensation of the, of the breath or image. Because your mind can only do one thing at a time. Just focus on your refuge.
Where do you feel the sensation of the breath? How do you feel it? What does it feel like? Sensation of the breath. If you can remember the sensation of the breath, here you can remember in daily life. A place that you can rest in. Make it a loving relationship with the breath. The breath is the one that sustains our lives. So surrender to it and rest in it. And whenever you feel something positive, you tend to gravitate towards it. continues to rest in the breath, the image, and the sensation of it.
find something interesting about the breath, something interesting about sensation of the breath. And make this so interested that it pull you, it pull you towards it instead of you having to exert energy to remember it.
So in step one, we just focus on the breath or the image of your refuge, the image of your divine, image of the beach, image of something that you can rest in. And we can rest in the sensation of the breath or sensation of the image. And then we ignore everything else, thoughts, sense, others, emotion, feelings. We just don't pay attention to that. We only focus on our refuge, the breath, and the sensation. So we only focus on one thing, the breath and sensation. And once we have tasted that, we can move on to step number two, which is, can we focus on our refuge, the breath sensation in the background and allow thoughts, feelings, emotion to arise in the foreground? For example, I can, in the room right now, I can focus the sofa in the background, which is my attention and everything else in the room in the foreground is sub-attention. Can I focus my attention on the sofa and then everything else becomes sub-attention. So if I focus my attention on the breath, or the thoughts, feeling, emotion become self-attention. Let's focus on the, our refuge. That's our main attention. Everything else become peripheral. So energy flows wherever we place our attention. So we focus on the, our refuge, the breath and sensation. We feed energy into it. And if energy flows to the breath, no, there's less energy flowing to the thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And they just come and go. Rest in the breath and the sensation of breath. Surrender to it. So if you have a strong emotion that's arising, just shift your attention from that emotion to the 
to the breath and sensation of the breath. Then you can still feel the emotion, but now that's the self-attention. If there's agitation, your body wants to move, it doesn't like to sit, just see the agitation as part of your self-attention. Your main attention is still on the, the breath and the sensation. So the breath, the refuge become the host. Everything else become the visitor. Just rest in this host and embrace whoever visitor comes and see you. Remain rooted in the host. Allow each, each visitor, visitor to come and go. Sometimes we have a good visitor, a cool breeze, a pleasant thought, pleasant sensation. Or sometimes we have an unwanted visitor, um, an unpleasant experience with somebody else that you remember in your memory or an itch or a pain in the body. But a good host treat every visitor the same way, just being a good host to include them. Yet know that it is a visitor, whether it's a negative or a positive visitor, a pleasant or unpleasant visitor. A good host treat every visitor 
that welcome it and knowing it as if only as a visitor, which come and go. That which is always here, the breath, is the host. And that which come and, comes and goes, the thoughts, feelings, emotion, are the visitor. Know the difference between the two. Remain rooted in the host. So in step two, we use our refuge as the background, as a place of main attention. Everything else becomes sub-attention as the visitor. And once we are familiar with that, now we can go to step three, which is being aware of the formless awareness the one that's watching the breath. Who's the one that's watching the breath? Who's the one that's watching the thought, sensation, feeling? And you rest in this awareness, the one who's watching, the one who's feeling, the one who's knowing.
to make it easier to recognize the difference between awareness and the object of awareness, I'm going to use the sound meditation. So continue to sit with your eyes closed and focusing on the sound. Step one and then step two is find out who's the one that's hearing the sound. The sound is the object of meditation and the one who's hearing it is the awareness. So the object of awareness is the sound and awareness itself is the one who hears. Normally, we focus on the sound, the object, the sound of the bell. But can you use the sound to focus on the one who hears? How can we tell the difference between the sound versus the one who hears? The object versus awareness itself. The object has to be beginning and ending. So the object has no existence, existence, non-existence. So it always come and go, it has a beginning and ending. What is awareness? The formless space that has here before the sound, it can hear me. It is here during the sound, it can hear the sound. And it's still here. It can hear the cars outside, it can hear the birds chirping outside. Even though the sound has gone, the hearing capacity is still the same. So can you recognize the difference between the parts, the sound versus the whole, that which occurred before the sound, during the sound and after the sound. So our practice is to rest in this wholeness, the one who hears, the one who knows, the formless space of awareness. The rest in this formless space.
So the object of awareness are like the furniture in your room. You have the sofa, the chair, the table, the jafu, the jabutan. They are forms. They have boundaries. But awareness itself is like the space of the room. The space include other furniture, include other forms, yet more than the form. The space is here before the form, during the form, and after. Is the space is here to the left of the chair, above and below the chair, and to the right of the chair. Space includes form, yet more than form. So same thing when you have a thought and irritation, it's like a chair. It has a beginning and ending. It has sensation of throbbing in the belly or tightness in the chest. Confined in the form. But the awareness, it's like the space, yeah, hold the irritation get more than the irritation. Rest in this space that's holding it. If you have pain in your knee, use it as a pointer to awareness. The one who watched the pain exists before the pain, during and after the pain. If awareness is already here, it's already there before you came into the room, before the pain arrives, and it will be still the same awareness when you finish the meditation and stretch out your leg. And you differentiate between the pain versus the one who's aware of the pain. So every furniture in the room can be used as a pointer to the space of the room. Similarly, every thought, sensation, feeling that's arising in your mind can be a pointer to the space of awareness that's holding all these thoughts and emotions. That's the source, the space of awareness. Can we rest in this space and find that 
how difficult emotion and thought are in us instead of we're in them. Just like the furniture is in the space of the room rather than space of the room is in the furniture. So our consciousness is big enough to handle whatever difficult emotion it is. The space of the room is big enough to contain the furniture yet you can see, yet it's more than the furniture. And just more than allow us the space to breathe, to rest, to be at ease in the midst of whatever difficult emotion arises in daily life. In about a minute, we'll switch to our discussion period. Even though we're moving from one period, from sitting to discussion, our awareness is still the same. Only the objects of awareness change. Our thoughts, sensation, feeling change, but the one who's watching is still the same. The furniture of the room change, but the space of the room remains the same. Can we rest in this awareness? If we can taste this awareness during sitting, we can bring that taste and rest in this taste during our discussion period. Thank you very much for allowing me to share the sitting practice with you. Um, I would like to share a little bit about the, the meditation practice and the law of impermanence and, and, and how it applies. How do we live in harmony with the impermanence in daily life? Then I would love to here you are sharing, whether it be the same topic, the sitting practice, or uh, anything else that affects you, because we all share this common human experience, which is the body and the mind. We share the common bond of difficulty uh, in terms of uh, fear, difficult emotion, uh, depression, anger, or what desire, or our common positive, our overcoming of difficulty. We all share that. And whatever you share, we all learn from it. We all understand. So we love to hear from you, whatever you share. No, no such thing is a bad question or a bad sharing. It's all good. <laughs> so why 
um, <clears throat> what causes suffering is the essence of our practice because the essence of our practice is to find out ways to alleviate suffering. The way to find out is in order to find out way to alleviate suffering, we have to find out what's the cause of it and understand it. Because only when we understand something can we work with it. And uh, and overcome it. So uh, first, we to understand something. We need to know the law of the universe because we're like the fish in the ocean. The universe is like an ocean. There are two ways to live our life. We can change the ocean to make it fit with the fish, which is very hard to do. <laughs> or we can adapt the fish to make it fit with the ocean. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> the ocean represents the universe. So we can adapt ourselves to the universe or we can try to change and manipulate the universe to make it fit with ourselves. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the practice of meditation is trying to change ourselves, to adapt ourselves to fit with the universe. But in order to do that, we need to understand the law of the universe. What are the basic laws that we live in that we that that govern our body and mind? Number one is the law of impermanence. Everything has a beginning, it stays for a while, and it ends. Every form. Every form. And we can we need to taste it in our daily life so that we learn to accept it and we live in harmony with it. And law number two is non-self. Everything has a cause, has a condition where they form and when the condition are gone, they dissolve. Everything, other form. So we get to taste that in daily life, in our movement while walking, while using the restroom while brushing your teeth while driving while interacting with people to see those two laws the impermanence and the non-self then we live in harmony with it with the, with the with these two laws it's like lifting a 50 pounds weight when we lift then we we're familiar with the 50 pounds and when the impermanence in our relationship, in our health, in our financial situation change, then it's like lifting 200 pounds. We got to lift the 50 pounds first to get used to the 200 pounds. But if we don't lift the 50 pounds, then it's very hard to go from zero to 200. Not only the weight difference is so much, but we, we're not learning the technique of lifting. So we have to include impermanence and non-self in our daily life. So that when the health condition, the financial, the relationship, those occur, we can live in harmony with them. Um, so how do we live in harmony with the daily life occurrence? Is so <clears throat> the third law is, uh, the universe is that 
wherever we place our self-identity, the I, me, mine, is where the energy flow. Wherever we don't put I, me, mine, the energy goes away. So we need to know the on and off switch. That is the on and off switch. Because we need to function in our daily life as a form, as a body, and as a mind. So we need to feed energy into it. But are we allowing this body and mind to control us or we want to control them? If we can find the on and off switch, then we can control this body and mind and make it a beautiful instrument to use. For example, when anger, irritation arise, are we allowing our anger to overcome, overcome us? Or are we using the anger in a skillful way to resolve things in life? Um, <clears throat> so the practice is, for example, difficult emotion like anger. You feel into the sensation, the tightness of the chest, you embrace the tightness, and we can see that it's just a visitor coming go. But we are more than the visitor. We're the host, we're the sensation of the breath, or we the awareness, so that now we're not feeding energy into anger. We are not feeding energy into the tightness of the chest. So because we're not feeding energy into it, it stays for a while and goes away. So now we have it, but we feed energy into awareness, the one who's watching the anger or the breath. Now, from the vantage point of the host, the the, the breath and the awareness. Now we can guide the anger instead of being controlled by it. So that's the difference. Um, <clears throat> and it's the same is true, not just for anger, but for fear, irritation, depression, etc. It's when you break it down into its body sensation, it's the same. Anger is the tightness, chest, depression is the uh, throbbing in the belly, etc. Just different location of the body. But um, the technique of shifting your energy flow is the same. It's shift to the whole instead of the part. So shift from the part, uh, from the part which is the sound to the one who hears the sound. The sound is confined within the boundary and the one who hears the sound is outside the boundary. So we shift into something bigger than ourselves. And from that something bigger, energy flow to something bigger. So the difficult emotion, the anger is only here. So when are we, from something bigger, we can guide this difficult emotion. And because we're not feeding energy to it, it becomes weaker and weaker. Now we can control it easier. It, it becomes less. So we can shift energy flow. And that's the practice. Uh, that's our practice. We shift not according to our desire, our expectation, but we shift to something bigger than ourselves, from something bigger than ourselves, which is our awareness. Now we can guide ourselves. So this, we practice is to surrender into something bigger. And that something bigger is that which is beyond our difficult emotion. So we can only resolve our difficult emotion by becoming bigger. Just like, you know, when you have a difficulty, 
when you, when your friend has a difficulty, you help your friend. You become an expert at helping your friend. You say, "See, this is the solution, solution." You help your friend, and you say, "Why can't my friend understand it? It's so easy." <laughs> but if the, exactly the same difficulty were to occur to you, you freeze. You don't know what to do. Why is that? Because when you are in the difficulty, it's my difficulty, you freeze. But if it's not my difficulty, you're outside. Your friend's difficulty, you're outside. From the vantage point of being outside, you can see things more clearly. Now you know what to do. So the practice is how to expand our consciousness to become bigger. So we're outside of our difficulty. We're more than our difficulty. And now from the vantage point of being outside, we can see how to maneuver, how to solve the problem. So instead of our difficulty is 100% of our consciousness, we're inside it. Now it's only become 10% because we exist on the, we include the difficulty yet more than the difficulty. We are bigger than the difficulty. Now we can solve it because we have the wisdom to see things. So that's the practice. It's not to find the right answer, but to find, expand the consciousness from that wisdom of consciousness. Now you can see these, find the right answer on your own. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> we find that we, we want to resolve suffering. So we find suffering has Suffering has two, uh, in order to have suffering, we need two elements, the pain, the impermanence, and the, uh, our re reactivity, our non-acceptance to the, to the pain, to the impermanence. So that causes suffering. So we need two, two things. Let me see if I stick, wrote, wrote it down here. Uh, make it easy to remember. But it, I can't find it. But so you, in order to have suffering, you need the impermanence, which causes pain, a loss of finance, health, relationship, etc. The, this The pain of impermanence and the non-reaction, which is, I would rather have it permanent our uh, preference, our, um, um, our preference against the law of impermanence because we want something to be better. I work so hard at it, why it doesn't get better at it? Our preference. So the pain multiplied by with our preference equals separate. So if we pain multiply by 10, then suffering equals 10. Yeah, so because of that, we think our pain is the cause of suffering. But if we, instead of trying to reduce the pain, which is sometimes beyond our control, can we reduce our preference, our expectation? If our expectation is zero and the pain is very high, pain multiplied by zero is equal to Zero. So suffering is still is zero, even though our pain is very high. So we 
sometime in life, many times in life, we have a tendency to reduce, trying to reduce the pain, to reduce suffering. But we can only do up to a certain point. There's a limit on how you can reduce the pain because it's being controlled by the outer circumstance. But we have full control over our preference. So, and our preference is as long as I'm just body and mind, I want it to be permanent and I want it to have self-control. That's just reality. And I'm going to feed energy into it. So as long as I'm just body and mind. So uh, just as long as I'm just body, I want it to stay young. I don't want to get old. I want to be healthy. I don't want to uh, um, be ill. I want to have a good relationship. I want to increase in relationship, increase in health, money, increase in finance, in job, etc. I don't want it decrease. But then we always have a constant fight with reality, which is the law of impermanence, which is always changing. So in that fight, who wins? The parts fighting with the whole. <laughs> who wins <laughs> the whole always win <laughs> the parts always lose so how how do we overcome the impermanence of change the way to overcome it is shift from the part to the whole and if the whole is always win then we we are always the winner if we become the whole so how do i shift from the this body and mind to the universal wholeness that which is beyond this body and mind. All I need is to watch this body and mind. Because this body and mind, everything has a be, every form has a beginning and ending. Every form. It can find within the boundary of time and space. So, so every thought is like the sound of the bell. It can find within boundary of Time, it has a beginning and ending. Awareness, the universe is always before the beginning, during and after the ending. Can you tell the differentiate between the sound, which is confined in the time dimension versus the hearing capacity, which is bigger than this sound of the bell? Can you tell the difference? And same thing with the sensation, the tightness of the chest, the anger, the fear is confined within the space dimension, which is the chest. Are we, can you feel yourself as more than the tightness of the chest? Yes. You also exist in the feet, the knees, the thighs, feet to head, more than the chest. You're more than that. So can we rest more than that? So anytime there's a difficult emotion arise, can we embrace the difficult emotion, the tightness of chest, and then feel that you're more than it? So it's fear is arising. If you're not aware of the fear, then you say, I'm fearful. Then we put the eye in it and we feed energy into the fear. We make it overpowering us. But if we say, if we feel the whole body and see that fear is only 10% of the body, then, oh, fear is arising in me. Now it's a different relationship. Now we can work with the fear because it's only 10%. We still exist in the 90% of the part of the body. And from this vantage 
vantage point of the 90%, we can work with the 10%. Um, but if we're, but if we only feel the fear and say, I'm fearful, and we've ignored the other part of the body, then this fear become a hundred percent. And if this fear become a hundred, now we can't work with it. Now it control us. So we shift, make shift a consciousness to something bigger than ourselves so that we can work with whatever arising, whatever difficulty arising because it's only part of us, because we're bigger, we're outside the problem, we can look in and we, we no longer being frozen by getting stuck in the difficult emotion, rather we, we have enough space to work with whatever difficulties arise. So that's our practice. Difficulty will be there because it is part of the law of impermanence and non-self. But what we can work with is to accept the first two laws, impermanence and non-self, and work with the third law is shift your identity from body and mind to that the universe, which is beyond body and mind, to the awareness. And from the awareness and energy flow wherever we shift our attention. So energy flow into the awareness. So if energy go into awareness, then there's no energy flow into the fear. And like anything else in life, everything requires energy. So if we're not feeding energy to the fear, there's no other place that fear can get the energy from. Now it become, it's come, become weaker because there's no energy. It's still there because of momentum. It's just like you're driving a car at 60 miles an hour and you release the gas pedal. It's still driving it for a while, but then eventually it will stop because you no longer press the gas pedal. So that's the part is we no longer press the gas pedal by shifting the body from the body and mind to the space. So now, <clears throat> now there's no doer. So everything that we do, just if walking, no longer I'm walking. That's just walking, but I'm the one who watch. If there's a driving, I'm no, no longer driving. That's just driving, I'm the one who watch. And same thing with depression, right? If we can do with daily life situation, when difficult emotion arise, like depression, I'm, I'm not depressed. That's just depression. I'm the one who's watching. Now, if we can do that, then we're not feeding energy into depression. So outer world may cause difficulty, but our inner world is that we can accept depression if it's no longer my depression, if it's just a depression, and I'm big enough to hold the depression yet more than depression. And from this vantage point, big enough, can I then I can work with the depression instead of saying, I can't handle the depression. I wish it goes away. But if I'm big enough, it's that it's okay. It's earlier I had cool breeze into my house. Now I have hot breeze, it's okay. But I know that it's not permanent. So it's, I can work with the hot breeze. But if I'm not, if I don't realize myself as a big space that holding everything, then, oh my God, the hot 
Yeah, what do I do? I might die. <laughs> <laughs> so I, what we want is expand our consciousness. And I want to taste that. Uh, I, want, I would love to taste that because Jeff here in the Zoom, he asked me, I think last month, he asked me, how do you put it into everyday practice? We, the theory is easy to understand, but we can only remember if we make into everyday practice because the body remember, not the head. The head forgets all the time. The head can understand well, many things but can't put into practice, but the body remember, just like swimming, you can't understand swimming by reading a book about swimming. You got to jump into water and swim, yeah? So just, I would like to lead you just a very quick mindful movement and to feel the difference between the part versus the whole. So earlier I used the sound to differentiate between the part versus the whole. The, one, the part is the sound, the whole is the one who hears the sound. Now I want to show it in the body. So you can sit wherever you are, uh, the chair, the sofa, wherever you are. Um, I just move back a little bit. Yeah. It's a good stretch too. This, this is a stretching movement. And, but the key is to feel the sensation. So out. The way we get stuck is through our emotion. For example, somebody's uh, saying nasty thing to you. The wording is not the one that causes you to, ang to be angry. The wording just causes an unpleasant sensation in you. And then you react to the unpleasant by pushing away. Then you get angry. So it's not the the words that the person said that caused you to be angry is the unpleasant sensation. So you got to understand, to solve difficult emotions, thoughts, feelings, you got to go to the source. So shift from the outer form, from what people say to the inner form, the sensation, because that's where we get stuck. So the way to unstuck is to feel the sensation when it arrives and to work with the sensation. So. So that's how you uh, deal with the anger. You don't drop the anger thought because it's very, very, very difficult because it's intangible, but you drop the tightness in the chest. If you can drop the tightness in the chest, automatically the anger drops because they go together. Body, mind are psychosomatic. You drop the, the mind, uh, the body function, the mind also drops. They go together. So I want to show the how you deal with sensation. If you can deal with sensation, you can drop the anger, tightness of chest, you drop the depression, the throbbing in the belly, you drop all the fears because they are related to the sensation. Yeah. So uh, feel into the sensation of the body when you sit. Now raise your left arm up. Continue to, you can sit on your chair or, or your jaku. So when you raise your left arm up, feel the sensation of your uh, left rib cage, and then lean to the right. You can put your hand uh, holding the chair with your right hand, holding the chair with the right hand, or holding if you sit on the jaku, holding the uh, um, the ground, and then lift your left arm up. Open the chest to the ceiling. Keep your neck free. The opening is from your chest. Slowly coming back. Lift your right arm up. Now feel this change sensation in the right rib cage. Lean to the left. 
and the right arm back, open the chest to the ceiling, open, keep your neck free, slowly coming back. So now notice the, the nature of sensation. Now uh, has a beginning, now raise your left arm up. Now sensation of the left rib case has a beginning, lean to the right, stay for a while, open. Now back to neutral, now sensation end. So can you tell the beginning and ending of the sensation of the rib cage, the left rib cage. Now change to the right rib cage, right arm up. Now sensation starting in the right rib cage, lean to the left, right arm back, open the chest to the ceiling, slowly coming back. So now the sensation of the right rib cage end, it has a beginning, now it ends, and it's also changing. So we learned two important laws, the law of impermanence, it moves from the left to the right, the right to the left, sensation keeps changing. That's the first law of impermanence, sensation changing. Second law is it moves according to condition, not according to my want. My want is, I, let's say my preference is I just want sensation to the left. I don't want to go to the right. <laughs> as long as I raise my right arm, it goes to the right. So it's not what I want, it's what the condition arises. So if I'm trying to impose what I want on life, I will be suffer. I will, I will suffer. But if I rest in that which is bigger than myself, then I'm at ease, whether it be pleasant or unpleasant, whether it be painful or not painful. So I can have pain, but I accept the pain and live in according with the pain, then there's no suffering. But if I have the same pain, but if I don't accept it and I say, why doesn't fit with what I want? Why doesn't fit with my preference? Then I will suffer. We cannot stop the pain, but we can stop the preference. We can shift our preference from this David body and mind to the preference of the universe, then it's okay. We can shift from the preference of the fish to the preference of the ocean, then it's okay. So it's a shift of resting. So now let's do it again. Now we synchronize with the breath. In breath, coming left arm up, lean to the right, open the chest, out breath, coming back to neutral. In breath, right arm up, move to the left, open the chest, out breath, neutral. In, out. So notice, notice the impermanence of sensation. In, out. In, out. So notice beside the impermanence, notice it's non-self. In, out. In, out. Continue on, on your own. Follow with the sensation of the body, sensation of the breath. And just notice the two laws. First, shift your attention from the movement to the sensation. Second, notice the nature of sensation, which has an impermanence, beginning and ending, and non-self, which means it doesn't go to my preference. It only goes to the condition that's arising. If I move the right arm, the condition is the right 
ribcage, I move the left arm, the condition is the left ribcage. Not according to what I want, but according to condition. Slowly coming back to neutral. Continue to feel into the sensation. And sensation change according to condition. And condition uh, beyond ourselves, beyond our preference. Condition are just part of the universe. So there are two ways for the fish to live. The fish can try to change the, the ocean to make it fit with the fish, or the fish can rest in the ocean as a self-identity and step in to play the role of the fish, but not getting stuck with that role. It's only a role. Your true identity is not the fish, but the ocean. Your true identity is not the sensation of the body, but it's the one who embraced the sensation. Because if we rest in the sensation, if we confine ourselves to the sensation, then the sensation will control us. But if we are the one who embrace the sensation, then sensation is like a little child that needs attention. And we can embrace this, this little child and guide this little child, even if the child has tantrum. So we want to guide this little child as a parent, or we can become this little child and act out the tantrum, tantrum of the little child, which causes our suffering. So it's a shift of practice from sensation to that which holds the sensation. And it's the same when we, sensation is the same in the way we work with it, whether it's here in the ribcage or tightness in the chest due to anger or throb in the belly due to depression or anything else. Same, same technique. Yes, the difference, 50 pounds weight here versus 100 pounds weight here, 200 pounds weight. Uh, depression, but same lifting technique. I hope I answered your question, Jeff. From a month ago, I was here <laughs> in terms of shifting our practice, in, in terms of feeling it. Yeah. So, yes, you did. Thank you. <laughs> I, I hope I uh, would love to hear your sharing and your question. And by the way, before we hear, Rick Harvey also teach. Uh, Tai Chi and movement as well. And he's in Zoom. So those of you that know Rick and uh, can, if you want to do more of this practice of mindful movement, he can show you that. Yeah. Thank you. So please feel free to raise your hand. Or, and, uh, we all learn from each other. Remember, it's not like I'm giving you something. If you already have it, I'm just giving you giving excuse to awaken something that you already have it. So I'm not teaching, I'm just sharing. Yeah, because you already have that, which the wisdom that's already in you. Just like the sound of it. Well, I'm not using the, giving you the sound. I'm just awakening the hearing capacity that you already have. The sound is just an excuse. Yeah. We have about 20 minutes. Yeah.
any later ones? Hi, David. Thank you so much. Your talks are always excellent. Your teaching is very clear. Um, I, I just wanted to, uh, to put in my two cents about those of us who like to use uh, thoughts as an object of, of meditation. Um, so I, I do use the body, I use the breath, but I also like to focus on thought and um, find that an effective way. Um, I wrote a poem that kind of is similar or, or has uh, a lot of the themes that you talked about today. I was wondering if uh, either now or later I could read it. Please do now. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Anthony writes very good poem. We always learn from Anthony. <laughs> well, I don't know about good, but I'll read it. <laughs> I, I call it <laughs> right. I call it when nothing sticks. A mirror reflects objects. Mind reflects thoughts, feelings, and perceptions. Without attachment or aversion, nothing sticks to the mirror, and everything comes and goes, comes and goes. Thoughts, feelings, and perceptions float through the sky like clouds on a windy day. Then the thought of self and not self find no abiding home. Everything that arises, whether thoughts or the call of a crow, are fleeting and equally impersonal. Now my mind is unmoving like the sky as I watch the clouds come and go, come and go when nothing sticks. So beautiful, thank you so much. So, but the beautiful metaphor. So our awareness, our true identity the, is like the sky. Our difficult emotion is like a cloud. It's, the cloud is confined within the boundary of space and time. Sky is beyond the boundary of space and time. So if the sky is the host, the cloud is the visitor. And remember the third law, uh, of the universe is energy flow where we place our self-identity. If we rest in the host, the sky, then we no longer feed energy. We only feed energy to the host, the sky, then no energy goes to the cloud. So cloud, whether it's fear, depression, anger, desire, they are workable. There's, there's no we take away the energy. Or he used another metaphor, it's like a mirror. It can reflect our true nature is like a mirror. Yeah. But those are formless. If you are not familiar with the formless, that's step three. Go to, back to step two, which is you rest in the refuge of the breath, the divine, uh, and use Mantra. that as the refuge to drop the, the, uh, the thought and emotion. Don't forget mantra and koan. Yeah, mantra and koan, yeah. Which is our refuge, yeah? The mantra like om, om, uh, and you synchronize with the breath and you rest in that. That becomes your refuge. If you're not ready to rest in the formless space yet, it takes time, yeah. Thank you so much. Beautiful, beautiful sharing. Yes, please. Um, I was wondering when we find ourselves, you know, uh, being drawn to something. Yes. Like eating sugar yes. or reacting to like right. I feel anger and I want to say something to my boss. Yes, something. yes, yes. Reminding ourselves 
you know, the consequences of it. Like, uh, oh, I don't want to because this is too much sugar or, you know, I it's useless talking to my body. Yeah. Is that uh, a version? Is that identifying and, and, and self? Should we be not trying to have narratives and just relaxing back and trying to expand and just seeing it as a sensation? Mm -hmm. Or do you think that the narratives talking yourself through like, we've already been down this path, does that help or does that more identify with it and make it bigger? The narratives help, but usually they come later. You you, you have a, a, a big chocolate cake, you eat first <laughs> and then you say, I shouldn't have eaten because uh, the narrative is our to our conscious mind, but the sensation is our subconscious mind, which is stronger than our conscious mind. So you got to work with the subconscious mind. Uh, uh, so we start out with the narrative, but don't stop at the narrative. First start out with the narrative, uh, uh, which is redefining, things redefining, I shouldn't eat uh, uh, too sweet and I shouldn't be angry with my boss or I should uh, be more skillful when when an anger arises. But don't stop there because you will be angry before you realize it because your subconscious mind is many times stronger than the conscious. So work with the narrative which only work with the conscious mind but then work with the subconscious mind, which is when you are, <clears throat> when you have a desire for chocolate, notice the saliva. And when the saliva comes, then you work with the saliva. Or when you're angry with your boss, notice the tightness of the chest. So we work with the tightness of the chest. Now that's the subconscious mind, because that is where it takes you over. Mm -hmm more so than the conscious mind. So you can have a perfect 100%, you can get a PhD in psychology, Buddhist psychology or anything, but if you don't work with the conscious mind, it will pull you over. So the practice is, uh, this is only the first step, the narrative, second step is practice over. And the subconscious mind is to create a new habit. If a tightness of the chest comes, don't let it take you, you embrace it. So the old habit is just an old groove you're creating a new groove once you have a new groove it overrides the old groove that's the sub subconscious mind oh, new groove override old groove mm -hmm. but new sub new conscious mind will not override old group yeah because because the reactivity is to the to the body to the subconscious not to much less in the conscious mind so we got to go into subconscious and subconscious is repetition over and over, rep repetition. Only with new repetition, new habit, now it creates a new subconscious mind, new habit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for being there. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, he's not raising his hand. Yes, I am. Uh, thanks, okay. David. I wanted to share one of the reasons I was. I mean, other than to come and, you know, be with you while you're practicing, one of the reasons that I was really attracted to this topic is I just went through a really lengthy period of autoimmune stuff and um, just a lot of pain in my shoulders and knees and groin and 
uh, neck and hands, just a lot of pain. And I'm coming to a point now where the pain is no longer there. And what's happening, what I'm kind of observing is the, um, there's like a program going on. Um, for instance, I'm done taking a shower and I put, take the towel and hang it on the uh, curtain rod. That used to be a really painful thing to do. I mean, it was just really hard for me to get my arms up to do that. And I used to kind of brace myself and throw it up and just like there'd be this shooting pain through my shoulders. And I just put it up there, but there's always this kind of, you know, as I'm getting ready to do the movement, I'm feeling that anticipation of what's no longer there. So it's an interesting thing to, um, and that's, that's, and it's, it's curious. I mean, it's a, there's some curiosity I'm observing it, but um, it's an interesting thing to see that, you know, in this case, change is brought um, um, and pretty much of very unpleasant, circumstances and still i've got this sort of um uh anticipation of them continuing and um so i just wanted to share that experience it's just you know a lot of times change when it comes it's it can be kind of immediately hard this change is um, becoming easier it's just interesting to see that you know there's some, some at some level there's some clinging to the um what had happened, maybe it's trauma. I'm not sure how to just define it, but just interesting experience to be observing. And thank you for bringing it up. So that's in, in the uh, third law of energy uh, of the universe is energy flows wherever we place our self-identity. We cannot directly move the energy flow, but we can directly move our self-identity and indirectly move the energy flow. So if, if I have a, a pain, if I have a pain in the uh, shoulder, and I, if I speak in the first person, I'm feeling painful here and here, then I'm feeding energy into the, uh, the pain. If I say I'm feeling painful to the left here, even though I don't want the pain to come, but I'm still feeling energy. It's like I'm driving the car and I'm pressing the gas pedal and the brake at the same time. I'm pressing the brake because I don't want the pain to come, but yet I say it's my pain, I'm pressing the gas pedal. So the practice is instead of speaking it as a first person, now speaking it as a third person. So instead of I'm saying, I'm feeling the pain with my left shoulder, can you change your way of, uh, seeing things by shifting your perspective. I'm seeing David having a pain. So, <laughs> or you see, oh, that's a pain in the left shoulder as it's arising there. Instead of saying, I'm feeling pain in the left shoulder. So shifting from the first person to the third person. Because once you shift to the third person, now I'm not, I'm not the pain, but I'm the one who watched the pain. So, but don't wait till the pain to come to shift to the third person, do everything in your daily life as the third person. While you're walking, don't say David is walking, I'm walking, but just say, oh, David is walking. I'm the universe watching David. While driving, while everything, doing as a third person, 
So now when pain arises, oh, pain is arising instead of I'm feeling painful. So when, when you talk, when you express, make it like your universe is watching Ricky having pain instead of you are, Rick, you are Ricky experience pain. So shift that. By shifting your self-identity, you shift the energy flow. Then pain is still there, but dislike of pain is no longer there. The dislike of pain is caused by identifying that this is my pain. I'm the first person. But if you shift from the first person to the third person, so that now, oh, that's pain arising. You no longer feed energy to the dislike. You only, the pain is still there, but it's just pain. Remember, pain multiplied by dislike is suffering. If dislike is zero, then suffering is zero, even though, even though pain is a lot. And the way to drop the dislike is to shift from the first person to the third person. So change the way you see things, change your perspective, change your place of self-identity. Thank you for bringing it up. Thanks, David. I also wanted to say I'm probably going to be doing some uh, mindfulness Qigong and Tai Chi um, in November and December at Los Cerritos Park, um, late afternoons, Saturdays. Anybody wants to get out and move and work with the practices we're working with, nursing practices, I'm doing a lot of integrating and weaving it together. So um, I'll see if Casey and Wendy are up for putting that in the newsletter. Just wanted to thank you for mentioning that, David. And hopefully people come out and benefit if that's what they want. Beautiful. Thank you so much for the announcement. And uh, uh, Don's here, uh, Kathy's here, and they know how to work with that <laughs> in the newsletter and the announcement. And I would imagine everybody's on the email list or sign, sign up for the email list. Yeah. Thank you. We still have five more minutes. Lovely. Here you're sharing. Yes, please. Thank you. Um, just to go back to your comment um, about the craving, like craving. So I heard like a version of craving. Yes. There, and the craving of the subconsciousness. Yes. Sometimes I think it's we're we're, we're bypassing it, right? And there's some need that's not being met. Right? Yes. Or we perceive that there's not a need being met. Yes. And I guess I, I struggle with this, whether it's like eating sugar or another glass of wine. Do I really need this? Yes. But how do we kind of get the clarity in there to understand the need and maybe address it in a different way or become that larger observer? It's, I think it's, I, I'm having, I'm struggling with detangling the subconscious and the conscious. Oh, okay. Yes. You described it. Right. So we, when a desire arises, it's not the object of the desire that we get stuck with. The, the object only creates a pleasant sensation. And then it's the pleasant sensation that we get stuck with because we have a habitual tendency to grasp to something pleasant, push away the unpleasant. That's what we get stuck, not the wine or the chocolate cake. So if we focus on the wine or the chocolate cake, then we only focus on the branch of the tree. We're not focused at the root of the tree, which is the pleasant sensation. 
that we gravitate towards. So we need to go from the branch to the root to the source of the problem. The source is, it goes in order. The wine, you uh, create a pleasant sensation and you crave towards the pleasant and you drink the first cup. And then the pleasant sensation arise, stay for a while and pass away. Now it's like, well, wait. So now you want the second cup. But remember, you want the second cup, not because of the wine, but you want the second cup because you want to reactivate the pleasant sensation. Because the pleasant only stay for a while, it's impermanent. So it won't stay forever. So in order to recreate this pleasant sensation, you want the second cup of wine. And then similarly, the second cup eventually, dissolve, uh, the, uh, only, the, it only creates a second plant, second pleasant sensation and it stays for a while and it goes away. And now deep down your body wants, come on, pleasant sensation, wake up, wake up. <laughs> so you have to drink the third cup. So you get stuck not because of the, uh, the wine, but the pleasant sensation because it's impermanent. So you, to solve the problem, you have to understand the problem first. It's not the wine, it's the pleasant. And you get stuck in the unpleasant, the pleasant and unpleasant. So this, that's where you should work on, not the wine. So you got to feel into the sensation of the body. So that's why I let, let you experiment feeling into the sensation. So feel when you, the desire for wine arises. Where, where do you feel the pleasant sensation in the saliva, in the feeling pleasant in the chest, in the throat when it goes down? Feel that and then become something and then do like what Rick was doing. So don't say Nicole is feeling pleasant. Don't say I'm feeling pleasant. Just say Nicole's feeling pleasant. So shift yourself from the first person to the third person. So you're like the universe watching Nicole, craving for pleasant, craving for the pleasant sensation. And, but you're not Nicole, so you don't have to act according to Nicole's preference. And that's the freedom. Yeah. So go to the source. Yeah. Hey, hey David, can I add something? Yeah, I, please. I, I always like to focus on the fact that it's pleasant and impermanent. You know, it disappears. It's, you know, you're chewing that chocolate cake and it tastes great for until you stop chewing it, until you swallow it. But uh, the effects on your health last forever. Yes, yes. Uh -huh. So with that in mind, you know, it's easier to step back and just watch the pleasure and then watch it disappear and say, no, it's not worth it. That's the key. Anthony was saying, step back. But the way to step back is to shift from the first person to the third person. Mm -hmm. Because you can't step back if you are stuck in the, in, inside. You can only step back if you're outside. And the way you're outside it is to see yourself as a third, a third person. Because the one who sees is bigger, is outside. And only, and while now you tap into some universal consciousness that's bigger than Nicole, now you can guide you become a parental figure instead of letting go guide you. you. Become a very beautiful, beautiful person, body and mind, as long as it's being guided by something bigger. Yeah. Can, I, can I add something to that? Um, just uh, what I'm also hearing in 
just the circumstances itself is um, judgment of the circumstance in, in one way or another. I mean, in getting caught up in the judgment of, you know, about the behavior of eating the chocolate cake or drinking a glass of wine. Um, so, which is, I right. guess, you know, yeah. Thank you so much, but because there's a, a class coming up, so and I'm, I apologize. I want to wrap it up real quick. Okay. Uh, there's a class that coming up. Uh, I didn't know, <laughs> and so we just want to wrap it up real quick. And thank you for bringing it up, Rick. It's the judgment, so the judgment involved as if you're the first person uh, instead of the third person. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you next time or whenever we meet. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.